Well, 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 well. For the first time in the history of this podcast, the New York Giants are playoff bound. 99.9% chance they have the sixth seed. Uh, it's locked in at this point. They're not moving above Dallas or any of the other teams. And no team is coming close to them because the Giants actually have that tie. And you know what? After all, in all these situations we've been through this year, that tie helps them. Not that I wanted the tie when I went to the game. But if we do, and listen, we'll see what happens next week against Philly and all these different things. Let's just say we finish the season 9-7-1. and I'd rather have that than 9-8 and because 9-8 and we float down to the 7th seed and we play maybe a tougher team. Um so it's down to the Packers, it's down to the Lions, it's down to one other team I'm thinking of. I think the Seahawks are that final team. But welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, everybody. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts and also Twin Bill as well. Uh, well, on Twin Bill for Apple Podcasts, same thing with Big Blue in the Bronx. Uh, just want to keep reminding you guys, just in case you guys forget, uh, we're on a little break from live streams. Maybe we'll do one when we get to Florida. Um, I know Donald's been, you know, asking me a lot about doing a live stream from good old Hollandale Beach. Might do a live chat from there, answer your guys' questions, do whatever, chillax, all these different things. But we appreciate the support. Um, as I said, we'll be back probably the week of the 16th with Boys in the Big Apple, Dead Red, Nick's uh, Friday Night Nick's Pod. Um, likely the 15th is our call-in show. So, you know, just a couple of things to get, you know, looking forward to, but, um, you know, we're just taking a little break right now and obviously focusing on this a little bit, but, um, real quickly, man, before we get into the stats and all these different things, shout outs to a couple of different guys that met at the game. I mean, Justin's tailgate from talking giants obviously was, you know, great. I got there at 8 a.m. I'm, I'm really good with committing and I'm not trying to tap myself on the back here even though I kind of just did. Um, you know, I'm really good at committing, I guess, to my football team because sometimes with the Yankees, you know, I could be not on time. Sometimes I will be on time. But with the Giants, man, I, I was there at 8 a.m. So, you know, I'm not bad about that. Uh, spent a couple hours, was a little tipsy. But our shouts to Justin, the football grump, and then even, you know, more towards the supporters that came out, you know, the different people that I met. Uh, Donald obviously got his first Giants game. Uh, in victory fashion and Giants fashion. Um, so it was fun for him. He got to see the Legacy Club, um, you know, for the first time with the four Super Bowls and Eli Manning's locker and all these different things. Shouts to Matt and Billy Riley. Uh, Matt's a big supporter of the channel, and it's really turned into a friendship. Uh, Shouts to Evan Spitzberg as well. He hung out with us for a large portion of the pregame stuff. And uh, shout-outs to my man, Unpopular Opinion Sports, Kenny. I mean, we're all part of the big blue crew here, repping uh, at the stadium and all these different things. Um, but it, it was great to finally meet him. We we, we talked a little bit. Um, but it, it was fun, man. It, it was fun. It was a fun experience. This is the best Giants game I've ever been to. And I've been to some Giants games. You know, they lost one. They tied one. Uh, they won one last year. Um you know, obviously some other preseason games, but man, this one just hit right home. And uh, the last time the New York Giants were in the playoffs, I was in eighth grade. Now I am a second year, or I should say sophomore, um, in college. So well, let's break down the stats, all these different things. By the way, I don't know if you guys know already, 
But right now, it's most likely, most likely, geared towards we're going to face Minnesota again. And I've contemplated with a couple of different people about going up to Minnesota. Most likely not going to happen, but if there's a chance, I may take it. I don't know. Um, but uh, with that being said, most likely it's Minnesota. Count your blessings. You got to root for the right teams. The right teams have to win. With Minnesota getting the three seed, they have to either lose San Francisco wins, and there's another one in there as well. They have to tie and somebody else wins, and I think that would be San Francisco winning or another team winning or something like that. But a lot of things can happen you know, this coming weekend because uh, Dallas could clinch the division. It's actually quite surprising. Um, Dallas could clinch the division. Um Eagles could fall flat a couple of seeds, and we might end up playing them, believe it or not, because let's just say San Francisco has a better record than Philly somehow, or they have the same record, and San Francisco has a two seed because of, you know, interconference or out of conference advantages. Philly would be the three seed, and that's not a good thing, because I don't want to play Philly. I mean, it would be two weeks in a row, but I don't want to play Philly, you know. No, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, obviously, we'll talk later in the week about conversations regarding resting your players, not resting your players, doing whatever. Let's get into this game as I take a sip from my famous giant, uh, excuse me, Rangers bottle. Nick Foles, 8 for 13, 81 yards, an interception, a sack taken, 25.4 QBR, 47.3 passive rating. Uh, Daniel Jones. I'll go to Ellinger in just a second, but Daniel Jones, 19-24, and 177 yards, 7.4 uh, yards per throw, two touchdowns, 96.9 QBR, pass rating 125.2. As far as the Indy rushing game, they did kill us a little bit. Zach Moss, 15 carries, 74 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. Jordan Wilkins, 6 carries, 23 yards. Ellinger had a carry, Foles had a carry, Paris Campbell had a carry, Deion Jackson had three carries. The Giants rushing game, though, was far more productive. Um, overall, this was like one of the better rushing games. And Saquon Barkley didn't get a ton of reps. Really wasn't needed, though. We'll talk about in the offensive uh, section of the podcast. Uh, Team-wise, we had 37 carries for 217 yards, 5.9 yards per carry, and two touchdowns. Two touchdowns coming from Daniel Jones, 11 carries, 91 yards, 8.3 yards per carry. Uh, Matt Breida, 9 carries, 59 yards. Um, Saquon Barkley, 12 carries, 58 yards, and 5 carries. For nine yards with Gary Brightwell, they were mostly runs up the middle, and that's where the Colts were stopping him. But uh, that's fine, you know. Obviously, we won the game by a large margin. Um, as far as the receiving game, Paris Campbell, three receptions, 52 yards. Par- uh, Michael Pittman, six receptions, 41 yards, one touchdown. Jelani Woods, three receptions, 19 yards. Um, for the Giants, seven catches, 76 yards for Richie James, and a touchdown. Finally, not a garbage time touchdown, but he and Isaiah Hodgins are the leading receivers another week. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, four receptions, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Daniel Bellinger, three receptions, 42 yards. And Darius Slayton, two catches, 14 yards. One of them was a fumble. Matt Breed had a catch, and Barkley had a catch, but he was stuffed behind the line of scrimmage for one of them. As far as fumbles, uh, Darius Slayton fumbled, recovered by Rodney McLeod. Colts defense, they didn't touch us at all, and I'm very, very happy about that. They didn't touch us at all. Um, Two quarterback hits, one by DeForest Buckner and one by Khalid Kareem. 
Four tackles for loss, two by Bobby O'Karaki, Rodney McLeod, and EJ Speed. And then uh, that's tackles for loss, no sacks. So uh, I'm proud of this O-line. Now, obviously, um, you know, this is a Colts team that's ravaged. It's damaged goods, whatever you want to say about it. Uh, but at the same time, man, you have to give the Giants credit for not giving up a sack. Because the O-line's been, you know, getting to an average level. And the defense, I mean, yeah, Yannick Nagakwe obviously got put on IR day before the game. And they still have uh, Deo Odenigbo, DeForest Buckner, all these different guys that could rush the passer. And the Giants just were pretty much flawless in that department. Uh, as for the Giants, in terms of total categories, two sacks, four tackles for loss, four quarterback hits, and a touchdown. Um, I'm a little disappointed, little teeny tiny picking on the Giants for uh, not getting more sacks, but it was a quick style offense for Nick Foles, except for a few plays, but the Giants did their job defensively. Uh, Jalen Smith was the leading tackler with nine, three quarterback hits, a sack and a tackle for a loss for Dexter Lawrence. Kayvon Thibodeau, two tackles for a loss, pass deflection. That could have been a pick six, one sack and a quarterback hit for Tibbs. Um, Landon Collins had the one touchdown pass deflection. We'll, we'll talk about stuff a little bit more in terms of defense with him because there's some things I want to bring up. Um, and I think that's it from the Giants. And also the Landon Collins 52-yard pick six. Uh, let's go with team stats. First downs, Giants 14. Excuse me, Giants 26, Colts 14. Nine first downs in passing for the Giants, seven for the Colts. Rushing first downs, 5 for the Colts, 14 for the Giants. Giants had three first downs from penalties, including a Colts offside on a punt. So that was pretty uh, prudent, came in handy for the Giants. Two first downs from penalties for the Colts. One was a holding penalty on Fabian Moreau. Third down efficiency, Giants were 4 for 7, so not a lot of third down situations, which is really a good thing. They didn't put themselves in third down. Uh, to be completely honest, this is like third down. They didn't get into it a lot, which is, once again, a good thing. You know, this is probably the best, has to be the best offensive performance all year, but it just shows you a lot of different things. Um, and the Colts, 3 for 12 on third. Fourth down, they were 2 for 2. We were 0 for 1. Giants ran 61 plays, and the Colts ran 56. 394 yards for the Giants, 252 for the Colts. Colts had nine drives, Giants had eight yards per play, Giants had 6.5, Colts had 4.5, red zone, Giants were four for five, so the efficiency is getting more up, and that's a good thing. Uh, one for two in the red zone, the Colts. Penalties, the Giants had only three for 20 yards, and, you know, seven for 60 for the Colts. One turnover each interception and the fumble lost by Darius Slayton and 31-36 time possession for the Giants, 28-24 time possession for the Colts. Let's talk about this offense, everybody. And um, a lot of people said that, you know, fans were criti too critical of Mike Kafka and that they wanted him fired. First of all, well, I mean, I think that's a lot overstated personally. I think fans, you know, like to create drama and things like that. But, um, I never wanted Kafka fired. I just wanted a change in tendencies rather than concepts. And that's what we're getting the last three weeks. Shout out to the coaching staff on that. Ever since Washington, they've been passing off first down, putting the ball in Daniel Jones' hands. 
They did that against Minnesota. Obviously had some great production. And they put the ball in Daniel Jones' hands this game. And uh, Daniel Jones absolutely rode with it. That's what I'm going to say. So first, shout-outs to Mike Kafka. Pass first offense again, and it's efficient. I'm not even tracking it anymore because it's just working, and the Giants have been getting a lot of points in the last two weeks. Um, they scored first time 30 points offensively since 2019, and then first time 30 points overall since 2020 um, when we had that game against Dallas and Kyler Fackrell had the pick six. But Daniel Jones carried the team on his back, right? And a lot of different folks are, you know, they call themselves Jones supporters or, you know, Jones pessimists, whatever. And everybody's looking at quarterbacks in the draft. And, you know, I'm a guy that's just like, you know, I'm going to take it game by game with Jones, do my evaluations, my opinions, whatever. um, And we'll go from there. And I always like to look at stats for different reasons, right? And um, this was a game where I think some stats are really irrelevant. And you could probably put it as okay the Colts are just a very bad team but you look at the stats 38 points right you would expect okay Daniel Jones threw for 300 400 yards that's not what happened Daniel Jones had two rushing touchdowns 91 yards on 11 carries and uh passing wise he had like 100 and I think 77 yards yeah 177 yards and two passing touchdowns so that's where stats kick you in the ass a little bit. That's where if you're a stats geek or you just look at the stats for narratives, it doesn't help you uh, in that way because Daniel Jones was this game for the New York Giants, right? We could talk about Saquon, okay, you know, he had this many carries or Isaiah Hodgins and, you know, the O-line obviously gave Daniel Jones time and the defense played very well. And I'm going to talk about stats with the defense too because, you know, some things, once again can be very, very ticky-tacky from stats to film and the eye test. But if you're going to come out of this game negative about Daniel Jones, if you really come out of the last three games negative about Daniel Jones, I have a bone to pick with you, Can be to be completely honest. I think Daniel Jones has earned some sort of a contract extension. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, seven years, six years, whatever, or the max money. Personally, me, if you ask me right now, I think he's worthy of a two-year contract with an option because, you know, some people in the front office, some people in the organization might not be sold on him as a franchise quarterback. And, you know, they don't know if he's going to up his game if uh, if he, you know, goes out there with new weapons and better weapons. So, um, obviously, the passing touchdowns thing, that needs to get a little bit better in the future. But I can tell you very much so, even before the game and even before Ian Rappaport's report, it looked like Daniel Jones was coming back. I personally thought coming into this year, um, and even a few games in, you know, Brian Dable loves Daniel Jones, but I'm not sure Joe Shane does. I think that has flipped now that the Giants are a playoff team. He's going to lead them at least into the playoffs with Saquon Barkley. So both are coming back. But this game was Daniel Jones. If you are going to come out here and say that this game wasn't Daniel Jones, once again, you have an agenda before you have, you know, whatever. Um, before you really have fandom. Because people like to take it into agendas and all these different things. And, you know, different types of biases, whatever. The case is, the fact is, really, Daniel Jones carried the team on his back in this game. And he did it last game, too. It's just the defense didn't really show up in some spurts. Uh, we'll drop passes, all these different things. And he's committed a turnover last game as well. But we're on the positive. Daniel Jones carried the team on his back. He's going to be back next year. And, you know, he is 
kind of carrying this wide receiver court too because I mean yeah they had better receivers in San Francisco with Richie James and he wasn't really touching the field a lot so you couldn't see any production or non-production there um but Richie James doesn't have 500 yards without Daniel Jones Isaiah Hodgins I mean I'm not saying that Josh Allen was throwing to him in practice or whatever because I highly doubt that Isaiah Hodgins was getting one reps he probably was getting two reps with uh Mitchell Trubisky last year and then obviously in the preseason with uh Case Keenum or whatever but I mean they probably would have kept him had he shown this type of talent and obviously Isaiah Hodgins has a really high catch rate I mean pretty much anything that hits him in the hands he catches and he got another touchdown this game but I think it's because of Daniel Jones I personally think Obviously, you can't make water into wine on every single occasion, but uh, he's elevated this receiving core a little bit, and just he's done more with less. He's done more with less, in my personal opinion. Um, as I mentioned before, shout-outs to the O-line, no sacks again. They put Nick Gates at center, Tyree Phillips at left tackle, and then right guard. Um, they moved Matt Parrott to left tackle towards the end of the game when they were taking out their starters. So, um, but no, the O-line played pretty well. Um, no severe quarterback hits on Daniel Jones, except when they started taking shots uh, at Daniel Jones towards the end of the game. And the Giants O-line stood up unlike the Colts O-line and, you know, talked some, talk some shit to the linebacking corner of the defense um, because it was warranted. It was warranted because, I mean, I'll talk about the Tibbs thing in a minute when we get to the defensive side of the ball. But it was, in my personal opinion, I don't know how Colts fans feel. And, you know, the Colts fans obviously are probably double-sided because, hey, listen, they won this game, meaning the Colts, if you want to tank. But at the same time, I mean, you know, Nick Foles and the whole the team pride thing, they probably are a little bit mad at Kayvon Thibodeau uh, for celebrating. But it just got to the point where the Giants were running the ball with Daniel Jones and it worked. It kept working. The defense was caught off guard after a little bit. And then they tried stopping him. They had like one or two shots out of bounds that the refs didn't call. And then there was, uh, you know, you could have easily very much so in the terms of, you know, that last run with Daniel Jones where he slides and then gets hit by Bobby Okariki. Um, there was like a, a helmet hit or no, he shoved his elbow into his face or whatever, right? When he was going to the ground. And you could easily, you know, a lot of these linebackers and a lot of these defensive players, what they do is um, they usually try to put their hands up or something when they're going and the momentum is pushing them into the quarterback. I personally feel as though Bobby Okariki wanted to hit Daniel Jones with his elbow. And that's when Jonathan Feliciano, and I really don't like Feliciano. I'm not a fan of his, but one thing I'll give him is two things. He had a good game against the Colts, and he stuck up for his quarterback. He stuck up for the leader of the locker room, or one of the many leaders in the locker room, as did Ben Bredesen. And then obviously the Colts players want to defend their guy. The Giants players want to defend their guy. But, um, you know, shots to the O-line, man. They, they played really flawlessly uh, throughout the game. Daniel Jones had another flawless game. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much that. So, the offense, man, 31 total points, uh, 38 points for the total squad. But, you know, take this into next week. Uh, we'll have a conversation down the line, whether they should play their starters, how long they should play. 
Um, but it means more for the Eagles than it does the Giants because the Giants are already locked in at number six. And obviously when you talk about injuries and all these different things on one side about resting players, you also have to factor in the other side, okay, would they um, be learning anything and would they be growing as a unit? Because, I mean, we could slide into the defense with this one, Xavier McKinney, uh, Dory Jackson have not played much with this new core of a defense. You know, Kayvon's been out, Aziz has been out, all these different guys, and just m imagine this unit at full strength. Now, getting into the defense, I want to talk about stats too. Two sacks, you know, automatically if you're a guy that didn't not watch a second of the game, you look at the stats, you're like, they didn't get three, four, five sacks against this Colts team? What is this pass rush? But you take a look at it. Obviously, four quarterback hits. The hurries and the pressures are probably there as well. But this is the thing like the Daniel Jones argument for this game. And that argument is that stats don't tell you a lot sometimes. The one thing that's the, the only stat that will tell you anything is the, the two sacks that they did get, the interception and the points. They held them to 10 points consistently. And they really didn't do shit till Ellinger came in, and that was a garbage time drive. Sorry. And then they kept running the ball. It's it's weird because, you know, I fight with a lot of different people, and I also have some debates with people about running the football, and I'm a more of a, once again, pass-first guy because of analytics and all these sort of different things. That just shows you that running the ball always doesn't, you know, it doesn't always make you get in the end zone. You know, you could have some really good runs. Like, you could have a 50-yard run and then, like, a 12-yard run or whatever. But passing the ball just is a little bit more efficient in today's game of football. But once again, to go back to the defensive point, listen, stats don't always tell you the full story. And, you know, you could say the defense played average if you look at the stats. This defense played astronomical and played up to their expectations for this game because they realistically were supposed to blow out the Colts. I came into this saying, look, the Giants need to win this game by two scores and what they do they doubled that they doubled my message and said nah we're gonna win it by four scores so shots to brian dable shots to those guys a little bit more depth in defense i mean dex had a good game um you know he took advantage of a ravaged very poor interior quentin nelson he totally destroyed on that one rep and then the sexy dexy dance everybody was doing including myself in the section um let's talk about Kayvon thibodeau in that hit a little bit so um, obviously he, he put a, he put a hit on Nick Foles uncovered for the sack, which to me is like, okay, you know, Charles Leno lost that rep against uh, the Giants. You know, that was the first time, but how do you not account for Kayvon Thibodeau? You know, the left tackle Bernard Raman, whatever the fuck his name is, was leaning inside, right? So he, I don't know what the protection was. He was leaning inside like it was a slide to the right protection. And then McLeod and both Thibodeau come unblocked, which is like, dude, you have to pick up at least one of them maybe, which obviously the smart decision would be, okay, pick up Kayvon Thibodeau. But both are unblocked. Kayvon gets a sack. Now, I'm going to be completely transparent, as we love to say on the channel. And being transparent, I'm like, okay, I love the celebration. I love the sack, but I'm going to be fair. That's a little bit of a dick move for 
you know, what Tibbs did in terms of Foles. Okay? Um, so then he says after the game, and I'm just going on what was said. People could call me a homer or, oh, he, he knew what happened. But Kayvon said, you know, I, I didn't know he was hurt and hopefully he gets better. Um, and the same thing was basically said by Brian Dable. And you hear Jeff Saturday come out in a press conference and said, and I'm, you know, looking into it, I'm mad, but I'm not mad at what he said because, like, we would be in that same situation. But at the same time, it's just like, no, it's not a cool comment to make. And listen, once again, it's a defense. It's a head coach being defensive of his team. He basically came out and said that his celebration was tasteless. It was, um, it was trash and all this other stuff. So, I mean, you know, you could say, okay, well, he was defending his team. But at the same time, man, your team lost. And he also critiqued his team because they didn't fight for Nick Foles. I mean, to be fair as well, and I'm not trying to sit here and, you know, create controversy or whatever, but, uh, you know, what do they have to fight for? I'm not saying totally leave him on the ground while somebody's celebrating. Also, it's not like Kayvon made a dirty hit, but what what are they fighting for? I mean, this is not a team that's going to the playoffs. This is not some building culture or whatever. Um, this is a team that's poorly put together, poorly executed, lots of injuries, lots of bad moves. The coach was brought in off of ESPN, which is... You know, two years ago, people would say, oh, you're fucking kidding when you say that to me. And then obviously, you know, we know what happened with Jeff Saturday. But my point is, like, you're not learning anything from these games. So if people want to tank, or I should say roof of the tank, they can roof of the tank. Because this nothing's happening. Like, maybe a few players will stay next year on the Colts. So, I mean, when I listen to it, I'm like, you know, he's not totally mad about it. And he's not throwing anything or, you know chucking tables but at the same time your o-line should fight for your quarterback no matter who it is you should be like hey man that's not fucking cool um but at the end of the day man it was just pointless i want to talk about something in just a second uh if you notice my voice is a little i can't say impaired but you know i was yelling a lot sunday see i'm getting a little low on my water so my favorite play of the day, besides the Giants O-line fighting for their quarterback, and, you know, it's kind of a thing of, you know, why don't you have Daniel Jones as one of your favorite plays or one of his touchdowns, right? And it's like, you got to pick one. There's no favorite. I mean, he made multiple plays on the field today. But to me, what hammered me a little emotionally, and no, I didn't cry. But what really got to me emotionally is just, I would say, a God thing. Maybe I'm getting too religious, right? But I feel like a God thing happened in the game. That was Landon Collins' pick six. Landon Collins and Sterling Shepard are the only guys that are remaining from that 2016 team that made it to the playoffs. They're the only guys remaining, maybe besides like you guys in the front office, but that doesn't count. Sterling Shepard and Landon Collins. And you know what's fun fact? DRC was at the game. I'm surprised they didn't make any announcements or anything. But, you know, uh, DRC had his cousin Isaiah Rogers, who was one of the corners, and then obviously Landon Collins. So, obviously Nick Foles throws that thing on third. Landon Collins totally sees it. He picks it off. I'm like, that's Landon Collins. So I shut up for two seconds because I want to see if he gets into the end zone. And he gets into the end zone. And... To me, that was probably my favorite play of the day because I'm like, that did not happen. 
this guy was let go by the Giants because they wouldn't give him the money. They didn't really want him back in 2019. He didn't fit the scheme, the stupid Betcher scheme. And then, you know, he goes to Washington, says all this shit about Dave Gettleman, which is, you know, I guess his prerogative. 2021, he gets cut, or before the 2022 season gets cut. I think he had a season-ending injury in 2020. But either way, he got cut. And, you know, he was surfing different teams trying to get a deal. And the Giants pick him up on the practice squad. And, you know, it seems like shit's just gone full circle with him. Giants pick him up on the practice squad. He plays against Seattle. He plays against Jacksonville. And for a few weeks, we're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, he's not being elevated. How worse is he than Jalen Smith, Tate Crowder, Micah McFadden? So, you know, there's that. Then he gets some reps against Washington, making some nice defensive plays. Gets elevated to the roster, makes some more nice defensive plays, uh, even a pass breakup on TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, obviously you're not going to put him in coverage every snap against a tight end because he can't do that. Couldn't even do that in his prime. But then just to see everything come full fucking circle in a, an emotional way for Giants fans, especially I, one of my favorite players in 2016 besides Eli was Landon Collins. Like that was one of the first years I was watching football like I am now. And I learned more every year. But, you know, just my emotions were geared towards Eli, a little bit towards OBJ. I wasn't too much of a, you know, obviously OBJ was on the team. I would root for him. But Landon Collins, because he's always getting those interceptions. He's always making those plays. Uh, Janoris Jenkins a little bit. There's a couple of different guys, whatever. But Landon Collins, you know, emotionally stuck to me. 2018, he stuck to me. 2017, he stuck to me. Obviously gets cut. Uh, I was so pissed off. I've mentioned this multiple times on the channel. Um, where I got his jersey in December of 2018, like three months later, he's going to a rival. So I'm like, fuck, man. And I, because it was a Christmas present, because it was a Christmas present, I never sold that jersey. I never did anything with my Landon Collins Color Rush jersey. Comes back, I'm like, okay, I have a reason to wear it again. But two things happen that I think it's because of God, and obviously all things come full, full circle here. It's that he gets a pick six. On the same day, the Giants make the fucking playoffs. That's where I believe shit comes full circle. So, shoutouts to Landon Collins. Probably my favorite play on the day, if not one of my favorites, because I don't want to, you know, downplay the offense. But that was just emotional for me. It was. Um, I couldn't believe it. Pretty much the guys I was hanging out with, they couldn't believe that Landon Collins, like, this is, that's Landon Collins, man? So, shots to him, man. He's, he's making some awesome plays. Um, Giants played well against a three-step drop offense, a quick pass offense. They had a total of, let's see, 124 passing yards total on a total of 27 pass attempts. So, that, that just tells you everything you need to know. And, um, you know, obviously, I'm not too happy about the running game. You know, Zach Moss did get a couple of yards um, more than we would want. Same thing for Jordan Wilkins and some of these other guys. But at the end of the day, it goes to stats. It goes to, you know, what made the Colts lose the game. What's the winning strategy, whatever. And I believe they just went to the run way too late in the game. They got up by three, which obviously was a big pass downfield to Paris Campbell. They did what they did from there. The Giants made a few good defensive stops. But they went to the run game way too late in the game. And obviously, you know, there were some big runs towards the end. But it was like garbage time. 
I mean, they were running the clock out for us. So, you know, with that being said, you could be mad at the running game, but at the same time, it didn't play too much of a factor in, you know, what actually went on and why the Giants won, why the Giants lost, whatever. It did not play too much of a factor in the end result. Honestly, that's my personal opinion. Um, Just a few more things, stock up, stock down, and then the snap counts, and we will uh, get out of here on a victory note. So stock up, stock down. I have a lot of stock ups. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Uh, O-line, they got a stock up for me. Matt Breida, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Isaiah Hodgins, Daniel Bellinger, Richie James, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, Landon Collins, and Nick McLeod. I thought Nick McLeod played a very good game. And, you know, we've been weary of him the last few weeks. He's given up these receptions, whatever. Uh, Donnie Holmes didn't bother me too much throughout the game. And, you know, I'm not a guy that's not really for him in the slot. To be completely fair and transparent here, I think he should take that slot position. I know in another situation, I would say Radarius Williams should take it. But they're not, they don't like Radarius Williams, clearly, because of what he said on social media. Which, you know... Coaching staffs may let some things go. They may not let some things go. Um, maybe it's a fit thing, but I, I think it's more of that social media thing. He's in the doghouse for the rest of the year. He's not coming back next year, in my personal eyes, unless they see some moral change for him. But uh, it just goes to show, man, in the end, um, whether the Giants were winning these games, losing these games, it just goes to show you should not be tweeting out your frustrations. You should be saying, hey, listen, could we get me involved a little bit more? If not, that's okay. I could be a team player too. Because, I mean, after all, Giants fans dislike Kenny Galladay. You know, Kenny Galladay may not like the role he's in, but he's not sitting here complaining on social media. So back to that slot conversation, I think Nick McLeod should take it. Um, you know, he gets a little less lost in the sauce with these rub routes and these other different plays that are made. Um, but he he's, de- he's done a decent job as corner too. He's gotten his times where he's been burnt. But um, McLeod, man, he's, he should move into the slot. I think they like him in the slot, to be fair, because before Adoree Jackson got injured, he was getting some slot time. He was. I was pointing that out, you know, a little bit against Green Bay, a little against all these different teams. So I'm happy, very happy. Uh, stock down, I would say Leonard Williams and Fabian Moreau. Williams really didn't make much of an impact. Uh, I was... I'm not going to sit here and say Aziz is a stock down because it was clear they were snap counting him and they're not usually putting him in against the run because he's not very good against the run. But Leonard Williams disappointed me a little bit. He went out with a neck injury. Um, They're not going to get any diagnosis on that till Wednesday, but I think it's just a stinger. I think it's just something that's been hampering him for weeks. They wanted to cut him out of the game because, look, the game's over, 38-10. You know, when they ruled him out. So you don't want to put pressure on that. And especially maybe next week, they rest him too. I wouldn't be mad about that. And then Fabian Moreau, he got his fair share of burns. But, you know, obviously you can't complain when the Giants only allowed 124 passing yards. Uh, and then, real quickly, let's go to those snap counts while we have them via the Twitter. Offensively, let's go with that. Evan Neal was the only one who played 100% of the snaps, which is very good. Listen, shout to Brian Dable on that. He was never out of the game. And, you know, they took guys out. They took guys out. There was nobody that played 100% other than Evan Neal, but Evan Neal played 100% for two things. Uh, A, because he's a rookie and he needs his time. B, well, he's missed some time. You know, obviously he had that MCL sprain for a few weeks. 
Evan Neal had a very good game, in my opinion. He had a very good game against the Colts, especially on some of those running plays. Mark Lewinsky, I thought he had a good game. Listen, the O-line had a good game in total, but Lewinsky, 90%. uh, Bellinger, 89%. Jones, 87%. Andrew Thomas, 84%. Same thing with John Feliciano. 83% Darius Slayton, 81% Isaiah Hodgins. 79% for Saquon Barkley and Richie James. Nick Gates, 59%. Ben Bredesen, 57%. I believe he was sad as no, he wasn't sad. So when they had the second O line in, it was uh, left tackle Matt Parrott and Tyree Phillips. Um, it was a drive. There were two drives I remember specifically. They were mixing up a little. So the first drive it was Phillips, Bredesen, Gates, Glowinski, Neal, and then the second drive it was Parrott. Uh, Bredesen, Gates, uh, not Glowinski, but Tyree Phillips and then Evan Neal. So, obviously, we're mixing and matching with these old linemen. So, you know, obviously, the difference in snaps and all these different things, whatever. But uh, who knows? They might do that next week. Gates, 59%, 57% for Ben Bredesen, 24% for Nick Vanette, 19% for Matt Breida. He made some really nice plays. I don't know if I recapped on that, but Matt Breida, when he got his time in garbage time, he made the most of it. Uh, he was the second leading rusher with nine carries, 59 yards. He had some really nice runs. And the O-line did some good blocking. Gates, Neil Feliciano on those runs. So, shout to Matt Breida, man. Uh, Marcus Johnson, 17%. 16% for Tyree Phillips. Tyrod Taylor was in. Uh, didn't have any passes. Didn't need to. 13%. Kevin E. Galladay, 11%. Matt Parrott, 10%. Same thing with Chris Myrick and Gary Brightwell. I'm surprised, though, Lawrence Cager is still being ruled as inactive because, I mean, they're not, you know, using three tight end sets and they're still elevating Myrick. But I feel Cager could have been a uh, a mismatch against some of these linebackers because he's a converted wide receiver to tight end. But, hey, listen, they won the game, so I can't really be mad about anything. Uh, nobody played 100% of the snaps on the defense. 95% for Julian Love and Fabian Moreau. 83% for Xavier McKinney, which is really good, by the way, because... Uh, obviously coming in, oh, is the hand going to bother him, whatever. And then they also uh, they did some uh, x-rays. I, th- I think it was precautionary at the end of the game. So there's that. But, uh, you know, they were going to snap count him. And then McKinney's like, no, I'm good to go. And Wink says, all right, you do you then. Darnay Holmes, 72% along with Kayvon Thibodeau, 67% Dexter Lawrence. Uh, 62% for Jalen Smith, Cordell Flott, 60%. 57% for Jihad Ward. 55% for Landon Collins and Nick McLeod. 53% for O'Shane Zimenez and Leonard Williams. 41% for Micah McFadden. 34% for Ryder Anderson. 33% for Tony Jefferson. Uh, 26% for Justin Ellis. 24% for Taman Fox. 17% for Jason Pinnock. 16% for Zion Gilbert. 12% for Aziz Ojolari. 10% for Henry Mondo. Carter Coughlin got 5%, which I was surprised a little bit. And, you know, sometimes in these garbage time games uh, that we've had over the last few weeks, he really didn't play. In garbage time, but I listen. Carter Coughlin, man. I mean, I know he's a hell of a special teamer, but uh, doesn't hurt, man. He can play against the run. He can play, you know, at least solid against the run. But also, Gerard Davis was inactive because you know he uh, he hadn't learned the scheme yet. Same thing with Wyatt Davis. So there's that. Uh, we'll probably see them a little bit next weekend in the game against the Eagles. Able to try some things out. But uh, that'll do it. Like, comment, and subscribe to our post notifications so you know when a live stream pops you drops. Appreciate you all coming out. We'll see if we'll have a live chat during the week. Um, but we appreciate you guys coming out, supporting, do all the, doing all the good stuff. The Giants are in the playoffs, baby, and we're here to witness it. We're also here to talk about it. Peace out. See you later. Stay cool. Uh-huh.